0: serious stories. I talked to Hany on his radio program today. Uh, it's a very interesting conversation and he asked me how I would save Americans and Afghans that are now under uh, the Taliban's charge. I told him very specifically what I would do. Uh, I'm going to uh, let you listen to it because it requires a long explanation and it's a hypothetical. We don't live in a hypothetical world here on the No Spin News. This is all facts. OK, the hypothetical was what Sean asked for, and I gave it to him and I backed it up with, uh, listen, I've just finished writing a book called Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorism. I know how this goes down. And I gave a solution to protect Americans and others uh, now that the Taliban has taken over. So uh, here in the United States, um, the Biden administration, uh, his national security advisor, Uh, The Secretary of State, uh, you know, uh, we didn't really know. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, just couldn't really put a finger on it. We're so surprised. And now the New York Times is just turning on Biden temporarily. Uh, They have an article today. uh, And it uh, basically says, no, Biden was told that this could be a debacle. I'm going to quote it. Classified assessments by American spy agencies over the summer painted an increasingly grim picture of the prospect of a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and warned of the rapid collapse of the Afghan military, even as President O'Biden and his advisors said publicly that was unlikely to happen. According to current and former American government officials, anonymous sources, that's what the New York Times does, by July Many intelligence reports grew more pessimistic, questioning whether any Afghan security forces would muster serious resistance and whether the government could hold on to Kabul, the capital. President Biden said on July 8th, the Afghan government was unlikely to fall, that there would be no chaotic evacuations of Americans similar to the end of the Vietnam War. So that's the New York Times. Now, the importance of that, if it's true, and again, it's an anonymous source, is that if Biden were told, if Biden was told himself, and this has got to be in classified information if he's told that this government's going to collapse and then he lied to the american people that's impeachable and it's a simple it's a simple play now there are going to be congressional hearings under oath that's the only question by the way that's it we know biden's incompetent we know he's weak but if he lied to us in July when his NAT security people were saying, going to go, impeachable. Now, will he be impeached? No. Not now, because the House is controlled by the Democrats. But in the midterms, if the Republicans take over the House and Senate, which I believe they will, then he could be. See? This is ultra-serious. What I just told you is the crux of the matter. Did Biden lie to the nation? Was he told that it's likely that Kabul will fall, the Taliban will take over? It's a simple play. Okay. Um, There is now confusion among the left-wing media. So the New York Times is left as it gets. They were cheerleading for Biden over and over and over and over. But they now know that he's a bad president. And now they're trying to cover their butts. C-Y-A. Okay. And that's why they wrote this article. The others are trying to follow suit. Now I'm going to refresh your memory on Biden and what he said in July. Go. The Taliban is not the South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comparable. Okay, so we now know that was a um, misstatement. Okay? Now, maybe he was just wrong. But again, if he were told, then he's in trouble. Major trouble. So, what does CNN do? CNN has lost all credibility. Their ratings are as low as they ever have been. Nobody trusts the network. So now they're trying to regain a little credibility. Roll the tape. I mean, to hear Jake Sullivan call this the successful drawdown of the U.S. Embassy there, his words, I, I mean, is almost comical, right? I mean, I don't see how anybody could call that a successful drawdown given the circumstances we're seeing there. Okay, so CNN basically has decided, and remember, these these people don't say stuff on their own. They're told what to say. Um, so they've decided, well, we can't support Biden here in this one. We ignored the border, another humanitarian catastrophe. We ignored that, can't ignore this. But MSNBC has not really gone out of its way to criticize Biden. It's NBC News is further left than CNN, if you can believe it. I mean, it's just stunning. It's just stunning that NBC News, the home once of Huntley and Brinkley, and now a totally ideological operation. They're kind of just on the surface. They're not really going in hard. Interesting. Okay, so why is the liberal media turning on Biden. Two reasons. Number one, as I said, CNN, trying to regain a little credibility. But number two is what we reported last week. And I'm going to refresh your memory. It's a Washington Post editorial from the 8th of August. All right. Put it up on the screen. For the most part, the administration's impulses are humane. However, they have driven a policy whose incoherence has yielded pressure at the border. That may cost the Democrat's control of one or both houses of Congress in next year's midterm elections. So far, there's nothing in administration short or long-term strategizing that is likely to shift that dynamic. There it is. There it is. The Washington Post and all the other leftist news operations are afraid of my prediction that I made mm, five months ago. That the midterm elections are going to go against the progressives and Biden. And that's another reason where they're trying to send him a signal, you better do better, but he can't do better. It's not, you see, most people, smart people, can correct their mistakes. They can adjust. They can be nimble. He can't. And now we know that his advisors are idiots across the board. Jake Sullivan, Anthony Blinken, all the generals that he appointed, Miley they have any credibility for anybody? No. So he can't. Biden can't be better. So how long is this anti-Biden stuff on CNN and New York Times, how long is this going to continue? Up until Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, Friday before. So the story is intense because now you're going to see reports, and you see them today, Taliban cutting people's heads off, uh, raping women, uh, you name it, they're going to do it because that's what they do. I mean, Taliban are terrorists. That's what they do. So they're going to do it. But remember that Biden is watching it very closely, (laughs) that they're watching it very closely. You know, watch the Taliban, see what they do. Okay. So those stories of atrocities are going to be another 10 days or so, and they're going to get worse. And the news cycle will, but after Labor Day, then gonna it, stop. Then we'll be on to COVID and kids and schools. That's the story that will take away from Afghanistan, COVID kids schools. Okay. There you go. Okay. So I looked around for a guest today, um, and I wanted a guy who, uh, was there in Afghanistan and knows the country and who has uh, an independent line of thought. I don't want an ideologue that's boring. That's what the cable news does every night. I can't even watch it anymore. So I settled on a guy named Jack Carr. He's a a writer now. He writes novels. The Devil's Hand is his latest. Um, But he led a special operations team in Afghanistan. He was the platoon commander. He's a Navy SEAL, and uh, he was in Afghanistan in 2003. So I'm a simple man, as you know, Commander, and uh, I have a very simple question for you. If you were in charge of the campaign in Afghanistan back in 2003 when you were there, what would you have done?
1: I want to be a little more blunt and specific than General Petraeus was, Um, and I want to talk. I want to get very specific on what I would do now and what I would have done then. But um, initially, we had so much. I mean, it's almost like we could not have done this worse had we been specifically trying to make this the worst possible situation that we could that we could. Um, So we have a lot of history to look at here. We have Alexander the Great. We have Genghis Khan. We have three British incursions. We have the Soviet experience from 79 to 89. We can apply our Vietnam experience to that. And as Dr. David Kocolan talks about, they've been provoking, intimidating, protracting and exhausting forces for centuries. So we know this going in and we fall victim to our own Intellectual inertia, because for whatever reason we decide that we uh, we fall victim also to imperial hubris. We're not going to take these lessons, and we can do it better than all those armies in the past. So it's called the graveyard of empires for a reason. That's not just a cute marketing tool, uh, and that should have been should have been a clue. So uh, I'm carrying this to my interviews because there's been a lot of changes to the reading lists out there from our from our military leaders, and they missed something very important that klaus was talked about, and he talked about the culminating point of victory. And we hit that in 2001-2002. And what he means by that is that if you go past that culminating point of victory, then you turn that success into failure. So then we took the next 19 years and we turned that initial success into the disaster that we're seeing today. All
0: right, let me stop you there. So the initial success was that U.S. forces went in, they drove the Taliban out of government they drove Al Qaeda into the mountains of uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan, um, and they pacified the country. That was the initial success, correct? Exactly. Yeah, right. covered it on And your you and, and you were time. part of that, and you believe that was a noble mission because you had to get Al Qaeda out of their sanctuary after 9/11. Is that correct? Am I correct That's so far? Exactly. Right. Destroying
1: that that organization, decapitating that organization. And uh, remember, talking heads at the time talked about how long it was going to take. And we did it in months, what they predicted years. So you and your guys,
0: you and the SEALs, you took care of business. Then, if you had been president and not Bush, you would have withdrawn all U.S. troops out of there? Well, now you have now you have options.
1: And what we did was focus on reconstruction. We shifted focus to Iraq, and we decided that we were going to somehow combat corruption in a culture that uh, doesn't see it as something wrong. It's just a part of the culture, part of the tribal culture, part of the warlord culture over in Afghanistan. So we bite off a ton more that we than we can chew, and it becomes this twenty long, twenty-year-long engagement in Afghanistan. All right, so let, let me. That's I want to
0: get specific though. So you would have had you been President Bush pulled out all U.S. troops, or would you have left a force there to make sure the Taliban, who are still hiding up in the mountains, some of them, didn't come back? What would you have done? Yep. You can either leave one. We have
1: options. You can leave a small force in Afghanistan. You can now go maybe to Pakistan, where we had some initial relations right off the bat. Uh, You can go to some other countries bordering, not Iran, but some other countries that border uh, Afghanistan, and you can use those. So there's some options there to look at. Point being, we didn't look at that. We decided to essentially build,
0: And Joe Biden was a big part of that. Joe Biden was the guy. He was there when you were there. I'm sure you didn't see him because you were dodging bullets up in the mountain and he was running around Kabul. But he was a big part. Oh, no, no, no. We got to go in and restructure the country and all all of that. Okay. So from the jump, you knew that that big mission of turning Afghanistan into a functioning democracy that would fight terrorism, Islamic terrorism, you knew that wasn't going to work. Is that correct? Uh, I think most everybody that was in my position at the time knew that that wasn't going to work. Okay. Anybody
1: that, that took a couple seconds to study the situation and maybe look at a little history knew that. And All right. right,
0: right off. So let's let's right. fast forward to today. So you've got this thing, and it it spans uh, Bush, and it spans uh, Obama, and it spans Trump, and you got it. Then uh, thanks to Trump, who wanted out of there, um, but wasn't going to go out like this. Uh, He would have hit back and hit back hard. Um, So now you have a withdrawal. They, They want out. How would you have done that and not had what we saw the last two days?
1: Right. We have 20 years to prepare for this. So over that 20 years, we can make some better decisions here. Now, if we decided we're getting out, which we are, how about not giving the exact date and then not giving that September 11th date, knowing how important dates are to the enemy? What uh, what I would have done specifically was say, hey, we're leaving in the spring of 2022, summer of 2022, June 1st of 2022. How about that? And over this next few months, working on this visa issue, vetting the people that helped us over there to get them out, let, letting our special operations forces off the hook and hitting the Taliban and Al-Qaeda so hard that it puts them on their heels, puts them on the defensive, because we know we're getting out. And then instead of leaving on June 1st, we leave before December 31st of 2021. I mean, these are basics. These are some, some uh, something that anyone with common sense can figure out and it's something that our senior level leaders are uh, are missing that common sense piece.
0: All right, so Trump made a mistake by saying May 1st they were going to be out because he was the first one that put the time on it. So you're saying that was a mistake for him to do that.
1: Putting any time on that allows the enemy gives them a data point from which to plan.
0: Right. Okay. So we want to give them the time. We want to give them the wrong date is what okay. we want to do. So, so now, now like we saw in Vietnam, we have a failure of civilian leadership. All right. Now, just to put it in some kind of perspective, I believe and I talked to the president on Thursday, the former president, Donald Trump, and he would have hit back hard on these Taliban once they started this. He would have used a massive amount of power and they knew it, which is why they didn't do anything while he was there. But he was the guy that put the timetable in motion and Biden taking over from Trump, the commander in chief, he picked up on it. I have been very hard on Joe Biden. I don't know what your politics are, Mr. Carr, and I don't really care. Uh, you're a patriot to me. You served your country honorably. You're a, you're an honest man. I don't care whether you're what party you're in. I think that this commander in chief, Biden, is as incompetent as I've seen any commander in chief in my lifetime. How do you see it?
1: I see that, I know you're big on accountability, as am I, and uh, we were kept accountable on the battlefield. If we were gonna, if we made a mistake on the battlefield, we were certainly held accountable. We would have been fired and sent home had we made the same types of decisions that our strategic level leaders made. They made, the, they had, a, there was a failure of leadership at our senior level military le- leaders and from our elected officials. And none of those senior level people, government and military, have been held accountable throughout the entire course of this Well, they war said they didn't recently.
0: do anything wrong. Biden's doing, I didn't do anything wrong. They haven't admitted anything. The only thing they said was we were surprised by the speed of it. They didn't say they did anything wrong. Not one thing. They won't admit to it. They won't cop to it. So that shows weakness to me, right? If you got a commander and you make a mistake, you tell your troops, that was a mistake. That's on me, right? Right.
1: And that's how we learn and get stronger as a force going forward, by sharing those failures, learning from them, applying those lessons going forward as wisdom. And we tend not to do that in this country at our senior levels. So,
0: Commander-in-Chief Biden, you rate him a?
1: I guess a zero on a on a scale of
0: one to ten. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I give him a zero uh, because I'm taking into account the southern border as well, which is a situation, as I said, humanitarian. Final question for you. Americans don't have any interest in the Afghans. You know, we want to protect ourselves from subsequent terror attacks. I do believe you're going to see Al-Qaeda and ISIS in particular reconstitute there uh, in Afghanistan, do what they want, train, get money, all of that. I believe that will happen. Okay, but most Americans, you know, they go Afghanistan and don't know where it is. They don't know any history, as you pointed out at the beginning of the conversation. They're not interested in Alexander the Great or what the Soviets did they, if it doesn't affect them directly, they kind of tend to dismiss it. That's what Biden's hoping for. He hopes this is just maybe a one, two month storm and it blows over. Okay. Do you think it's going to blow over? Do you think Americans are so self-contained that something like this isn't really going to matter in the long run?
1: I think it's going to, blow over for them, polit- political elite leading class, uh, because as a country, we don't invest back in our country anymore for the most part. Uh, World War II, everyone was touched somehow by World War II, whether they saved tires and donated that for rubber, whether they are putting up blackout curtains on the Atlantic or Pacific side of the country, uh, everybody was touched somehow. Uh, very few people have invested in the country in this war effort, and for that reason, uh, I think that this is going to blow over politically. Not blow over, perhaps, people will remember there'll be a certain group of people that never forgets this but the rest of the country unfortunately i think will move on Yeah, until we're tough.
0: attacked again by these terrorists who aren't going away the book is the devil's hand the author is jack carr Mr. Carr, we appreciate talking with you um thanks for helping us out tonight
1: thank you for having me on take care
0: so as i mentioned i went to afghanistan let's put some uh stills up there in 2007 and uh, one of the reasons I went there was a morale boost to the U.S. troops. Uh, there's Colonel Hunt with me. Um, and we got a good look around. And we uh, talked to a lot of special forces and a lot of people who had been what they call up country in the mountain regions. Um, we interviewed DeBras over there. And at the time we were there, it was fairly stable. And this, again, is in 2007, six years after the initial invasion. All right. The uh, Afghan society was uh, veering toward a civility and the U.S. seemed to have a grip on the country. All right. So joining us now from Maine is Colonel David Hunt. You uh, may remember him. Uh, Put him on the screen, please. Uh, He was a factor regular when I worked at Fox News. He was my bodyguard in Afghanistan and Iraq. He's a... decorated uh army guy and fought in Vietnam and other places and he is not too happy today is that correct colonel
2: that's yeah, a bad day bill tell us why it's, uh it's made worse what we, what we were witnessing because of what happened in Saigon uh, 50 years ago it's, it's a similar collapse because of lack of planning and execute and execution we, uh, we knew month, uh, weeks ago, and certainly about 90 days ago, how poor the Afghan military was going to react because of the fall of Kandahar and other places. The reason for that fall, reason for they g- giving up, you've already commented on, and the Afghan government stopped supplying their own army. No water, no food, no bullets, no, no logistics. Uh, the other piece you've already covered, which is, Kabul never, ever controlled or influenced the majority of Afghanistan. We made a terrible mistake 20 years ago in trying to develop that. It's not like we didn't know how bad the Afghan government was. This was not an intel failure this week. It was not a military failure. The the Department of Defense and the national national intelligence community have briefed the White House and the president on every aspect of how quickly this was going down. We waited way too long to pull Americans out and the Afghans that we owe um, allegiance to and help. And so now, we've got the Taliban in total control of the country. They have. We we do have soldiers at the airport, but we're coordinating with the Taliban.
0: It's well, we made a deal. We made a deal with them that they aren't going to go into the airport and they'll let these people get out. But look. Um, under Trump, you had the same situation that you had under Biden. Nothing changed. All right, four years Trump wanted to get out. He did the negotiations. I I clearly stated he made a mistake by not including Kabul. I don't know what that would have done, but it sent a message. But when Biden comes in and he says, as you clearly heard, hey, don't worry about it. They got 300,000 guys well-armed, Taliban got 75,000, there's no way this country's going to fall. You as a military veteran, when you hear the commander-in-chief say that, what do you say? Somebody's
2: lying. And it, 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 the Department of Defense, uh, anybody who served there, um, will talk about how good the units they served in Afghanistan when they were there, the, the Special Forces guys in particular. But once we left, we pulled back, Um, and try to let them do on their own, it failed. It clearly failed for the last 90 days. Um, Taliban moved fast. We knew they were going to move fast because there was nothing to stop them. We want to evacuate the embassy, which we should have. It should have been a minimum 30 days ago, not two days ago. Okay, let me
0: me stop you there. So you said he's lying. But Biden had to know, or his people blink in the Pentagon. Hey, if we pull out so fast don't leave the residual force this place is going to go up very quickly so i think that biden is surprised that this happened i don't know if he's lying i mean i don't think i don't think he's capable of that kind of military analysis he's not capable of of anything in my opinion right now he can't do anything but but he's be- it, he's it being would be briefed. it would what He's being briefed. They yeah, look- he's being briefed. But why yeah. would he? Why would he lie in July if the thing's going to topple in a week? I mean, he—he he, look how bad he looks now. Even the most That's- ardent Biden supporters—I mean, you look like a clown if you're defending him. Do you not? Yeah. We.
2: The, the reason I talking about lying is that the Department of Defense and the intelligence community, daily basis, have put the maps up and talk about where the Taliban are, how bad the Afghan military was performing. And then he goes on on television and said, no, the the 300,000 soldiers versus 75. The problem, 75,000, the problem is those for 20 years, those soldiers did not fight well. Same with Iraq. We had a similar situation in Iraq as as we did in Saigon. When ISIS came across the border and 60,000 Iraqis,
0: Ran off the battlefield. Okay, but but well, let me stop you again. But we have U.S. troops in Iraq now. They went back after the Obama catastrophe that allowed ISIS to take over half the country and move into Syria as well. I was the caliphate. Once that happened, and Obama did it with Biden sitting right next to him, they saw it. Then we surged in with U.S. troops and stabilized the country. So what I'm saying and feel free to disagree, is if you left 3,000 special forces in Bagram, this Taliban march wouldn't have happened, at least not that easily. The, it would take,
2: the idea of my idea has always been to leave a kind of terrorism force. You wouldn't leave 3,000 special forces guarding an airport. You'd take a Marine or an Army division. The problem is the Kabul is a very big place, as you remember. And if, if we were gonna affect the fall of Kabul, it would take a lot more than 3,000. You can protect the airport, but you're not gonna protect the city. All right, but
0: but or, we're talking air power. We're talking maintenance of planes. We're talking confidence of the uh, Afghan people. You know, they see the Americans are still here. All of that. Last word on it, Colonel. We really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yeah, it's just an embarrassing moment. As you, In my lifetime, I've never say, seen this. I've seen it twice. The reason this is worse, because we had Saigon, we should have learned. This was a presidential decision in which he was fully briefed on the facts and had recommendations on what to do and didn't follow it. Only the president could have made this decision. He he made a very, very poor one, and we're going to pay for this for a while.
0: All right, Colonel, we really appreciate it. You're welcome. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. So there is a black conservative group that is urging all American schools to drop critical race theory teaching and adopt a 1776 Unites curriculum. All right, that curriculum basically says that America is a noble country, and it celebrates black excellence, rejects victimhood, and showcases the millions of African Americans who have prospered by embracing their country's founding ideals. Now, this story, and this comes out of the Robert Woodson group, is going to be ignored, totally ignored, by the corporate media because they don't want you to know that there are African Americans who don't want CRT. And that is a scandal, is that we don't get across the board what's happening. We only get woke stuff. Now, there's a guy uh, on Blaze TV, that's the Glenn Beck operation. His name is Jason Whitlock. We've had him on before. And he's really, really adamant that the woke media is damaging the country. Mr. Woodlock joins us now from Nashville, Tennessee. So you're not surprised that Robert Woodson's group's going to get blacked out by the woke media. You're not, you see this all the time. Why do you think it's happening? What is allowing this dishonesty in the corporate media?
3: Well, as it relates to Bob Woodson and 1776 United and his pushback against CRT, Bill, the left has decided to define African Americans and our journey as a journey of tragedy. And the only thing they want talked about are tragedies. When you think of black people, they want you to think of tragedies. They don't want to celebrate accomplishments. They don't want to celebrate the fact that black people working with Christians here in America and believers conquered and defeated slavery, sacrificed their lives. Black and white people, hundreds of thousands of white people, sacrificed their lives so that black people could live free in this country. They don't want to tell that story. They don't want to tell the story of what Dr. King and the Civil Rights uh, Movement accomplished. Every other group gets to have their accomplishments celebrated. The left has decided. There will be no celebration of black people and our accomplishments. There will only be a focus on isolated tragedies and incidents that portray America in a bad in a bad light and portray black people as victims. So of course the mainstream media is not going to pick up on but what Bob Wilson ha- and these guys are suggesting.
0: But then we have to take it a step further. So, the corporate leftist media, and that includes the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, the Boston Globe, all the networks, CNN, they want to keep African Americans angry. Angry, okay?
3: Um, and I'm Bill, saying to myself. I'm going to go a step further, though. I, go ahead. I, I want to go a step further, Bill, because I want you to understand the real big picture. What they're trying to do with the black narrative is define the American experiment as a failure. That way they can say, this whole country's been a failure. We must completely rewrite the Constitution because America was founded in evilness. Its its founding documents are therefore evil. It hasn't worked for black people in this country. It hasn't worked for the LGBT community in this country. America's a failure. Let's rewrite everything. That's the end game.
0: That's a very perceptive um, statement, Jason. And I'm not patronizing you. It's very smart. So they're using African-Americans and other groups to try to destroy traditional America. But I'll submit to you that African-Americans are helping them, generally speaking. They're buying into
3: this. Do you see it that way? I see it, I think there's truth in what you're saying, no question about it, Bill. I I, I think that people are looking at the way racism and accusations of racism are being used to acquire power. People are attracted to that. And so you're seeing a lot of black people lean into that. How can I become a victim and continue this narrative that everything about America is rigged against us. And I can use that complaint and an allegation to elevate myself, to make it so that, oh, they must have me in a prominent position on this television network, or in this role as a contributor on this network, or they look racist. But I don't believe the overwhelming majority of black people are in support of critical race theory and this strategy, I think many people, just like black people are no different than any other group of people. They're so busy trying to pay their bills, take, take, their, take care of their kids, take care of themselves, that this thing that the cultural elites are doing, this elitist group of Ivy League educated uh, black people are getting on TV and are involved in academia and promoting this narrative I think the great mass of black people are just too busy with their own lives to correct them and to okay. get involved in any kind of way. And so maybe, they maybe the so, Al But, but, I,
0: but I, I think there's more to it than that. And you're a sports guy. And so let's use the sports analogy. Yep. There's a tremendous amount of peer pressure. So if, if a conservative athlete goes into the locker room, whether he's black or white or she, and, and says, you know what, I'm not buying into all of this that can get you ostracized on a team. That gets you critically hammered. You saw what happened to Drew Brees in New Orleans. Um, And so that peer pressure, not just in a locker room, but it's on the streets too. If you don't conform to the victimization narrative, you got some problems. I'll give you the last word on it.
3: I'll say this, Bill, when you say it's on the streets, I say it's on the social media streets where there is great retribution and penalty for not towing the line. But just look at commercial hip-hop music. It's not a music of victimization. You don't... the Rap music isn't out saying, oh, God, look what happened to me. It's actually talking about this is what I'll do to you in pursuit of financial reward and gains. And so... I think in the big tech Silicon Valley controlled uh, social media world, yes, you are punished for not towing that line on the actual streets. I'm not so sure the things that I say on my show, the things I'm saying to you, I've said in barbershops and on bar stools all across the black community. No one recoils from it. No one thinks I'm crazy for saying it. Most people nod their head in agreement, but over social media, do they do that? No, no, because there's a penalty to be paid.
0: All right, Jason, we'll continue the conversation. You're a great guest and we really appreciate you making time for us.
3: Thank
2: you, Bill. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast politics by faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety and it's going to get worse. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, let's get down to the mail. Bonnie, concierge member, means Bonnie of direct access to me. I think you should check it out. Concierge membership on BillOReilly.com. You'd be very happy with it. What is the answer, Bill? We have a dwindling president that is incompetent, an incompetent vice president. Then there's Pelosi. How low can we go? What's the solution? Midterms, Take the progressive power away next year, next November. That is the only solution. The folks have to rise up. Christine, President Biden has to be impeached. Christine, and I laid out at the top of the program how he could be, but only if Republicans control the House and the Senate. Okay, Democrats aren't going to do that. Dan. The Taliban's message to the rest of the world. Look at how we defeated the USA. Come and join us. Absolutely. They're taunting us. Jeff Bentley, Marco Island, Florida. Nice place. Bill, we know the Taliban has obtained a significant amount of weapons, munitions, and equipment from the USA that was abandoned. However, to your knowledge, what are the other sources of funding of the Taliban? Opium. The Taliban controls the opium trade in Afghanistan. That's hundreds of millions of dollars always has controlled it. Um, We didn't abandon equipment to the extent that most people think. The Afghan army did. We gave the equipment to the Afghan army. They gave it to the Taliban or ran away. Debbie Greenberg, Scarsdale, New York. You criticized Donald Trump for announcing May 31st as a withdrawal date for the troops in Afghanistan. How do you know that wasn't a fake date? First of all, Debbie, I appreciate the question, all right? I, I'm not offended by the question, but it's May 1st, not May 31st, that Trump decided that would be the date to pull him out, and I know what President Trump does. I, I think you know that I know him pretty well, that we're going out on a history tour, which by the way, is going to deal with a lot of this terrorism Taliban stuff, and that is in December. I hope you all uh, come and see it. Peter Delore, Delore, Melbourne, Florida. Bill, while the military was so concerned with being woke, the Taliban now has billions of new weapons paid for by the U.S. taxpayer. Perhaps the military should have been more concerned with doing the job and less concerned with all of the political stuff. Look, the military serves at the behest of the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden. He selected these woke people As soon as there's a new president, the woke people will leave and then we'll get real generals. Okay. I don't want to be disparaging to Miley and these people, but look, they're not General Patton. We all know that. Charles Douglas, Darren, Connecticut. If Joe Biden's unable or unwilling to finish his presidential term, what is the order of succession? It would be, of course, the vice president. All right. And then it would be the speaker of the house. So if Biden leaves and he isn't going to, um, then Harris takes over. She appoints a vice president, just like Gerald Ford appointed Nelson Rockefeller, and then the succession is there. If the president and vice president both get wiped out at the same time, the Speaker of the House becomes president. Ken Cartaxo, Long Branch, New Jersey. Did I hear correctly that you have never seen a conspiracy? You have. Uh, do you believe in the conspiracy to destroy President Trump by fabricating Russian collusion. Um, That was a fabrication paid for by the Clinton campaign. That's not a conspiracy, that's a crime. It wasn't like the Clinton campaign and all the press and all the Democrats got in a room and said, this is what we're gonna do. That's not what happened. What happened was an illegal activity that then was put out, the press accepted it because they hated Trump, and now we have a Durham investigation. But It wasn't a conspiracy. A conspiracy is when people get together in a room and hatch a plot. That, this is a straight out crime. Paul, I enjoyed reading Killing Patton. I learned a lot about the war in the European theater and about conspiracies. Am I a conspiracy nut for believing the auto accident which led to Patton's death was a conspiracy. It was a crime, not a conspiracy. Dugard and I believe, we can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, but we believe, and we put forth the documentation killing Patton, that Joseph Stalin assassinated George Patton. We believe it. But it was a conspiracy. It was an embarrassment for the USA, and that's why they didn't do an autopsy. They didn't want to find Anything. And that was wrong. But again, it was a crime. Assassination. Carrie Bolin, St. Joseph, Missouri. I heard you say today that you are okay with the booster shot. I received mine, but I'm having a hard time wrapping my head about a booster shot that has not been FDA approved. Okay, look, uh, the FDA will approve these vaccines. I don't know when, but I'm not a bureaucratic kind of guy. I told you why I'm doing it. Richard Emke, Syracuse, New York. How do you decide what letters to read in your mail segment? You know how interesting they are, how well thought out they are, if they go against me, all of that. We want to make an entertaining segment. segment. Okay, um, killing Crazy Horse and killing Mob together. Buy them together, forty percent off. Premium and concierge members on BillO'Reilly.com get even more of a discount. So we're actually giving you the books, and you like them. They're fun. Um, I mentioned the history tour information, December 11th, Sunrise, Florida, that's Lauderdale, 12th, Orlando, Florida, 18th, Toyota Center, Houston, 19th, American Airlines Center, Dallas. Go to BillOReilly.com. We'll hook you right over to the box office. VIP tickets are sold out, but there are nice seats. And once we start our marketing campaign in September, those nice seats are going to go like that. So what you want to see us. This is a good time to get it, August. Quick break. Back with a, a final thought. All right, here's the final thought of the day. I get a lot of mail from conspiracy people. And the internet loves that. Get conspiracy, conspiracy this. Biden's a foreign agent. Uh, the vaccine is spreading COVID. COVID was invented by some guy in Cambodia. You know what it is. Don't do that. Please. If you read something on the internet, write down where it's coming from. There's usually a banner, who is telling you. Then you write me a letter and said, I read this by this person, I can tell you. I Look, killing Kennedy, and that's the biggest conspiracy in the world, the assassination of JFK. We just blew it out of the water. Blew it right out of the water with facts. Okay, So conspiracies are almost impossible to do. Because someone will leak, someone will break, someone will get drunk and put something out. I've never seen a conspiracy, all right? I know people love them, I know it, I know it. You got movies about them, you got this, you got that. But you gotta go with the facts. That's what we do here. You come here, what we tell you, we can back up.